Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. Good morning, everybody. I am Nick Slavic. I am the proprietor of the Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration Company. I'm also the host of this show, Ask a Painter Live. This is a weekly live Facebook show where I use my almost 30 years of experience, starting from a very young child in a family business, uh, as a master craftsperson and a paint business entrepreneur to answer any of your questions. And to give you guys some perspective of where we are at in the year, every year at the start of the year, I go through a series called Mastering the Basics, MTB. And um, I have this great sheet that I can share with you. It's called Steps to Professionalization, where I basically go through step one all the way down to the end. And we it's basically, these are the things that I did to professionalize my business. Um, on each of those steps, I have breakout shows like this. So for show number one, it's proven process. Proven process means you need standard operating procedures. Um, with standard operating procedures, um, we had a whole show, a deep dive into that sort of thing. And, uh, yeah, we basically go through this. I share my resources and, uh, this morning we are on the topic of marketing. This is hot and heavy right now. So, um, I have a lot of deep thoughts and as you guys know, I'm coming loaded for bear with data. Um, I am probably going to dispel a lot of the myths that, uh, you guys feel right now. Um, or if you feel them and you don't know they're true, I have some very interesting data for you at the end of this. Um, if you email me at the end of this, I'll give you my email address and you can email me and I will actually send you my marketing tracker. It's a very simple tool to give you some sniff tests about here's the revenue we're going to be at in our business. Um, here's our marketing budget. Here's a potential marketing budget. How do you come up with a marketing budget? Here's how many estimates you'll need. Here's the success ratio. And it'll basically boil down to like, you can start playing with some numbers and it's going to actually tell you how many estimates you need, what the success ratio is on those. And it's kind of like this cool tool to visualize what it's going to take in a year. If I want to do a million dollars worth of painting business this year, how many estimates is that? And if I sell half of them, how many is that? So yeah, it's going to be pretty great. So thanks everybody for watching here. A little bit of house cleaning, housekeeping, and then we're going to get after it. So um, right now, the kindest thing you can do for me and this show is to share it. So just hit share. You can put it in your story. You can uh, share it to your feed. Whatever you do, share it to all the painting groups that you're in. Let's get more people in here. Let's get more people watching. Let's get the people that share our core values in here to contribute so we can start sharing some knowledge. So um, hit the share. Let's go on. Uh, next week, I'm going to be in uh, the wilderness of northern Minnesota with 18 to 20 people uh, that I care for deeply at the retreat. This is a thing I host twice a year. There's one summer, one winter. It is thought leaders from all over the country <coughs> that come together to do something very special called making an ask. You come there prepared with a presentation. Uh, you set the guidelines, you, you, you set some perspective, and then you make an ask of this think tank. And this think tank in live time will, will help you try to solve this thing. Personal, professional, visioning into the future, uh, structure, your role, things like that. It's an amazing, amazing resource. Um, this one's already filled the summer. As soon as I'm done with this one, we'll start taking applications for the next one. Uh, and then we'll move on. Uh, Travis Dalen, my good friend from Alaska, is actually coming down to Minnesota. Uh, we are actually going to be colder than Alaska when he comes from Alaska in a couple days to be here. So welcome to Minnesota. Uh, it's the dead of winter. That's just how it goes. So 
Uh, like I said, everybody, share it. Uh, if you like any of this Mastering the basic stuff, there is an actual resource out there for you to join a group and do this stuff in live time over eight to 10 weeks um, with uh, a learning management system, subject matter experts. It's called the PCA Business Accelerator, the Painting Contractors Association Business Business Accelerator. You actually sign up, you get in here, and people like me and other subject matter experts will actually teach you how to do this stuff in real time, hold you accountable, and we'll actually go through the steps to professionalization. So it's an amazing resource. There is a link in the show notes. If if not, if it didn't translate in there, I'm, I'll make sure I get that in after. Um, other than that, we got the PCA Expo coming up. If you guys have never been to the exposition, it is absolutely wild. Uh, there is um, you know somewhere between four and seven hundred uh, master crafts people, business owners, vendors, things like that that get together. We're going to be in New Mexico, uh, and it's a, a whole week worth of. Uh, there's a charity project. There's learning from all of our people. There's amazing social events at night. Uh, do not sleep on those things, uh, and uh, you want to do that sort of stuff. For my friends on TikTok and on Instagram, uh, to get the full screen share. Go to Facebook. Uh, I am I am live broadcasting on these three platforms, and you actually get to see my screen, all my graphs, things like that. I will not delay this any further. Let me get rid of my on-screen stuff here, and let's get into the main show, marketing. This is a super interesting topic right now uh, to me, and we're going to get into this later. To me, there's only a couple things that we need to solve as business owners, right? labor and projects, all right? And it feels like sometimes the market hands us one thing. The two main things we need to solve are where are the people to do the work and where is the actual work? And I believe right now, based on some anecdotal evidence, that that teeter-totter is kind of tipping from where's all the good people to, wait a second, I need work now. Now, I say anecdotally because I'm not one of these guys who goes, well, listen, recession, uh, inflation, macroeconomics. I still think we are insanely insulated from most of the macroeconomic stuff. Why? Because there's not enough professional contractors out there to service homeowners. So right now, if you ascribe inflation to the reason why you're not succeeding, I'm gonna be very honest, I'm gonna be very blunt and say, you're completely wrong, right? If you are a residential house painter or in the residential home services right now, if you ascribe inflation or macroeconomics or recession or interest rates to the reason you're not succeeding, I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say, you are 100% wrong. Our only competition, our only limit to what we can do is our own ability to execute our business plans. So the information is all out here free, right? Like Ask a Painter, PCA, Business Accelerator, all that other stuff. But most business owners are lacking the grit to take it and actually do something with it. So that is my challenge to everybody here. Take this information and actually do something with it. You don't need to be extreme. You just need to be consistent. So I will say this. I've been watching the Facebook groups. I'm moderators of a whole bunch of them. And anecdotally, I've been feeling that the questions have shifted from where are all the good people to where are all the good jobs? Where are all the jobs? And when I say jobs, I mean projects. As business owners, where's the projects? Now, it's anecdotal. It's my feelings, right? It's not the data. But we are in the middle of winter, and there's going to be a natural slowdown in winter, uh, at least in the northern part of the country. But I'm feeling something even different, though. I'm feeling something different, which is this happened before that, even in summer. And I'm going to show you some data. I've been tracking data through my company as well, too, about natural lead flow, things like that. Interesting data point I can give you guys is we had no spring rush this year. 
it could be something I did. I all, I'm always still of the impression that everything is my fault and I will take ownership of it. But we didn't feel that crazy natural spring rush that we normally do every late April and May. Interesting data point. And then when you look at the Facebook groups, then when you look at consumer confidence, you could make the argument that it might be a little more difficult to find jobs, but it might be a little more easy to find people in the next couple of years. So let's deep dive into marketing. This is hot and heavy on everybody's mind. Um, again, I'm not going to sit here and say, do this form of marketing, you're guaranteed leads. What I'm going to tell you is how I think about marketing so you can create your own marketing plan. Right now, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, I know I'm going to hit this a lot, but for the first time in like six years, I've actually asked people to share this show. They share it all over and there's a whole bunch of more engagement. So please, guys, to me, you know, I am doing this free on a Saturday morning for everybody. I'm going to give you my resources for free. I'm going to open up my business for free. What I ask for in return is to share this, get some more people watching. And uh, I see your questions coming in and we will get to it in just a second. So this is my treatise on marketing, mastering the basics. This is Ask a Painter Live uh, show number 348. All right, there's going to be some assumptions, right? We have to start off with this thing uh, of talking about some assumptions, right? So this is just my company, right? I'm sharing my data from this company. I hope you take it in which the manner it's intended and use it for something. We all have different experiences. Marketing is going to be vastly different for a single owner operator all the way up to somebody who does $10 million worth of painting. Growing, um, we have slow winters and we've also never laid off a human uh, in the history of this company. So that will tell you how aggressively we market. Um, there are no bad forms of marketing, I think. That's a very subjective statement, only poorly used forms of marketing. So there, there likely are wastes of money and, and poor operators in there. But I believe that almost every form of marketing can be used uh, to a business's advantage. You have to know your ideal client and their location. You have to have a proven product. People think that, you know, hey, I just need a whole bunch of marketing. Marketing will solve everything if I get those projects. If you still don't have SOPs in your company, a standard operating procedure, if you don't have a metric-based bidding process in your company, a lot of leads are actually going to hurt you, give or take. So um, don't let perfection stand in the way of really good, right? Do a little bit of research, but really there's only about 10 to 20 forms of marketing. Just pick some and start trying them. And, and uh, I do experiments in my company. We do some things. Some things initially are very good. Some things don't get any traction at all, but you have to try, folks. You can't sit here and just gather information and do research and all this other stuff. You just got to try. All that matters is traction. Rubber hits the road. My process, I feel, of marketing is about 75% refined. It's one of the things that I, on my own goal chart for this year, want to improve the most. My goal internally is to take uh, my cost of lead down about 20% per lead, right? There are a couple object, uh, object, uh, <laughs> there are a couple strategies and uh, goals that I have in marketing. The first goal you should always have is, can I even produce leads with it? Can I produce enough leads for my business? And after that, then you want to work on getting that cost per lead down. But first of all, you want to actually prove that you can get leads for your business. If you have a lead source, if you have a lead source that has insanely low, almost free leads, but only produces one a month, that's not useful. Number one, you got to produce the volume of leads that you need for your business. And then you start working on getting that price down. Not all leads are created equal, right? We can get uh, right now. I know forms of marketing where I could pull a lever, dump some cash in, get dumped on with leads and none of them would turn into estimates. And that is a complete waste of time. Um, now, here's the deal. There is entrance fees 
there's the basics of running a professional business. If you do not have a website, if you don't have a separate dedicated email with a professional email signature, which I got on all my fellow painters this last week, if you don't have, if you're not on Google Maps and you've claimed your profile, I would say you haven't even done the basics of being a business and marketing will not help you at all. You need to have, those are just basic things like check boxes, just like paying your taxes, filing with the state, website, professional email, on Google Maps, things like that. That's the that's the least you can do to be easy to find. And always, you guys are gonna hear me say this on almost every one of these shows, almost all marketing questions can be answered by job costing and simple tracking. There is no crazy piece of software you need for this. I mean, everything I do is made in G Sheets. There is no crazy human you need to have. This is doing simple, basic, mundane, unsexy things over and over and over to win. Not moonshots, right? Number one, you have to determine, is your marketing working? And this is how I determine if market works, marketing works. Number one, is your schedule full? Number two, are the, is your schedule full of jobs in your core competency? Number three, can you produce them profitably? So number one, people like, people already skip over to, I, how do you market? Just tell me how to do it. I want a copy of your flyer. Let's just do it. I will say this. You need a way to evaluate that marketing. Number one, is your schedule full? Are all the jobs in your schedule in your core competencies? Are they things outside? If you're not a decorative painting company and your schedule's full of decorative painting, that's a bad thing. And then when you actually market a job, estimate a job, sell a job and produce it, can you produce it profitably? If, if you're getting a whole bunch of leads that turn into a whole bunch of estimates that turn into a whole bunch of paid jobs and none of them are profitable, I would say that's a bad marketing even if the cost per lead is low. So these are ways you evaluate your marketing. Where do leads come from? I think about most problems in businesses uh, as able to be solved with a couple ways, your time, your money, or a combination of both. So think about this, word of mouth, previous clients, repeats, referrals, things like that, that basically costs nothing. They're the gold standard lead. They're the best ever. One big fatal flaw, you don't control when they come in. They come in whenever they want. So the natural flow in Minnesota is super high in spring and fall, medium in summer, and very low in winter. That's fine. You're not going to have the capacity in spring and fall to, to handle all of them. And you're going to need a heck of a lot more of them in winter. So that's fine. You can take it into your mix. Uh, and I think I ran a business up to about $500,000 before I needed to pay for marketing. So now the thing that I'm interested in marketing is things called force multipliers. Uh, think about home builders, think about realtors, think about designers. These are something where you can make one contact and then they will go out and, and proselytize for you and put your name out there. That's a force multiplier. Think of a handgun versus a machine gun. One human can either shoot one bullet at a time or one human can shoot a whole bunch of bullets really, really fast all at once. A force multiplier, builders, realtors, designers, things like that. Uh, lead generation sites. I am not one of these guys that's going to poo-poo those sites. Now, it doesn't fit into my business. It doesn't fit into most businesses because you need to be a professional business to do those things. They are tough to work with because most painting businesses are not professional enough to do that. The key to making Angie's List, Home Advisor, all the other lead generation paid lead sources work is you basically have 30 seconds to act on that lead. So if you're a single owner operator painting during the day and you sign up for those lead generation sites, if you get a notification, there's a lead, guess what you're stopping doing? Painting. You must act on it now. If you wait till lunchtime, you wait till the end of the day, you're going to pay for all those leads and they're never going to turn into anything. 
social media is great. It's your effort putting things out there. Uh, it's it's now like as valuable as having ba a basic website and a Google map listing. Web search as well too. So there's SEO, there's AdWords, there's all this other stuff like that. Print media. Now, this is dinosaur stuff, right? When I first started my business 15 years ago, there was no social media stuff. There was no AdWords. It was yellow pages and newspaper. And I'm glad I touched it. But I still keep a newspaper ad because uh, it, it creates a local presence in my hometown. And it also uh, actually turns in some leads. And, and I like it. It's an archive of what we do. It's kind of cool. Uh, vans, yard signs, local present, things like that. Like we have a shop. We got a, a parking lot full of vans. Naturally, people take notice. Uh, our vans are out on the roads. We get messages from people all the time. Hey, we saw one of your vans on 35W. And then yard signs. Part of our SOP is every single start of every job, we throw a yard sign in the yard. Uh, there's mailing, there's flyers, things like that. And then there's email marketing. So all these things, and you can see some are pure money, some are pure time, and some are a combination. Now there's a whole bunch of other things you can do too, but these are kind of the big ones. So process of getting leads. How do we actually get leads? Number one, <clears throat> think of the whole, <clears throat> excuse me, everybody. Think of the whole thing as a funnel, right? So years ago, I got rid of the phone number for my business mainly because I was painting and I couldn't take phone calls and I would still have to call people back at night. So what I did was I made a, a lead form on my website. And if you want a, uh, an estimate, you can see there's some red buttons on here where you can either apply to work with me or you can get a quote. And then uh, it's basically a simple form that autofills through Google. It's a chance to capture the marketing. I have a drop down menu, say, where did you hear from me? And then there's a job description where somebody can type in a little bit about their job. And then I'm emailed, I'm emailed all of the stuff that goes to a simple G sheet. So people always ask me, what do you use for CRM? And I see uh, Ron uh, Gerhardt asked me as well. Here's the thing, folks. <clears throat> Most people do not need a CRM, if I'm being honest, right? To use a full CRM, you want to mine it for data, like a database. It's not simply just this thing that collects stuff and a list of your customers. If you just want that, there's a free spreadsheet out there to do that. So what I do, um, the, the highest use of a CRM is basically a peer database. And if you've never had a peer database training, uh, there's things like Microsoft Access and a whole bunch of other of them. The fully realized use of a database is a query where you can go in and say, show me all the people from New Prague, Minnesota that had their decks done in 2021 and that'll actually query and make a list of all those things if you just have a spreadsheet like i do here that you can find that but it's going to take a little more manual effort but unless you're using it for that unless you say listen i want every exterior project between 12 and thirteen thousand dollars produced in the last three years within 20 miles of myself that's the full use of a database if you're not doing that to actually grab data from it and then make changes i would argue you do not need enterprise software you do not need a full crm I have been able to grow to a $3 million company with 30 to 40 employees by this one sheet you're seeing right here. This is not a thing I can even send you. It's just a sheet with information on it. From my website, uh, my web guy created a Zapier, a Zap, that every time somebody submits an, uh, a request for an estimate, it goes to this sheet right here. And then we break it down by week and we track the amount of leads, where it's coming from, the source. I query it for all this information. Everything that I'm going to show you today, all the data that I show you today is based on this sheet right here. Simple calculations. I'm not doing any of those complex things yet. It would be fun to do. But honestly, what would I change if I had all that information? At this point, I don't need that yet. That's what we do.
So what should you track? These, this is the basic, the basic, basic, basic of what you should track. You should track your leads. Every time somebody contacts you uh, for information about your business or to get an estimate, there should be a record of that. It and it should have all of their information, right? Uh, at a minimum, address, phone, email, source of where they heard from you and a description of the product. First name, last name, all that other stuff. You want to track then the estimates because, you know, you think about your funnel. You have the leads, you have the estimates, not all leads turned into estimates. And then you want to track your success ratio. Success ratio or SR, if you're going to hear it from other people, is uh, the estimates completed versus estimates sold. So all the estimates you did over the year, how many people said yes? Weird industry benchmark for larger businesses, 50%, give or take. Um, average job size. Um, you take all the revenue divided by the number of projects. Uh, one way to gauge the, um, the success of either an estimator, a salesperson, or even your business is to track that average job size. I think we, uh, last year we did maybe 6,500, 6,700 with a goal of upping that closer to about $7,000 this year. These are all basic plus minus division multiplication sort of things, guys. Cost of marketing and benchmarks. So um, uh, I query a lot of my friends in the industry and we find between three and a half and 5% of revenue is uh, used for marketing. So if you have a million dollar company, if you've done a million dollars worth of revenue in a year, you're gonna spend 35,000 to 50,000 per year in marketing if you stick to that benchmark. Now there is aggressive growth companies and I found myself in this too, where we have to go between five and 10%. If you're spending between five and 10% and you're a very small company, I would argue you're not doing something right. That's for aggressive growth and it's short term. You should not be spending uh, in upwards of six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10% on marketing, give or take. And give or take, this is going to be a real squishy number, but it's a great thing to put a pin in the map and just like start from there. $110 to $150 per paid lead. Now, if you take in all the word of mouth repeat referral and put it in with your paid leads, that cost of lead is going to go down because the other ones are free. But just for the stuff you pay for, $110 to $150 is a great benchmark of a cost per lead. If it sounds expensive, it is until you take it into account for a year and you can probably stick to that 3.5%, things like that. So, all right, uh, what I'm not interested in. So uh, let's see, we'll get to some questions here too. I, I appreciate that. What I'm not interested in is a lot of ways that people talk about traditional ROI. Now this is not wrong. It's just things that I haven't found that useful in my company. So the common um, sort of like, the common refrain in the industry is, well, I paid $10,000 and I got $40,000 worth, uh, worth of projects. So that's a 4X return on investment ROI. But here's the thing, it depends what those projects are. You have to have, be a critical thinker about this stuff. So if you paid $400 per completed project, um, uh, give or take, um, if you have a $1,500 project, that cost of marketing for that project was 27%. If you sold a $10,000 project, the cost of that marketing is 4%. So you have to kind of be critical about what it actually takes to acquire that job. And that's why my big numbers are cost of lead, cost of estimate, cost of completed job. Those are the big three that I gauge in my business. And that those seem to be, um, there's more data on them and, and you can track them a lot easier. Uh, the other thing I'm not interested in is, uh, especially when we talk about social media, uh, reach, views, and impressions, right? Unt unless those reach, views, and impressions actually turn into leads, estimates, and completed jobs, to me, they're completely worthless, right? So if Ask a Painter Live gets 15,000 views on this show and nobody e emails me from these resources, I would consider this show a failure if there's no engagement, right? So that's how I kind of think about this stuff. 
So how do you judge success marketing as well too? So again, what I'm interested in is this sort of funnel thing here. What we start off from the top, all the people who contact your company, how many of those turn into estimates? How many of those turn into projects? So those are the big three. And when you think about that company, think about your funnel and then start tracking these things. You can always track ROI. Those numbers already exist. You can do all the impressions, reach, views, all that other stuff. But these to me are the things that uh, when we track these and we, we try to make a change in them, uh, we actually can do that. So now again, this is a very unsatisfying answer here and, and I'll be taking your marketing questions here in a second. Very unsatisfying um, answer here that everything we're talking about today can basically be solved with job costing. And job costing is tracking material and labor per project, um, judging it against a benchmark and then making decisions either by the micro level, by job, by types of job, by week, by month, by quarter, or by year, things like that. So this informs everything. And we're going to have a complete show later on later on uh, that goes deep dive into job costing. It's my favorite subject ever. And job costing, literally, if every single painting company in the United States did this, it would change our industry overnight. Marketing cost and distribution. So this is a uh, this is the spreadsheet I actually use for my EDDM flyer distribution, every door direct mail flyer distribution. So um, there's a lot of great resources out there. The thing that I want you guys to take away from this is that even if you sign up for flyer distribution, social media marketing, things like that, you still have to track it. So you want to track the, the amount of money you pay for it. If you're doing flyers, you want to track where those flyers are going, how many of them, what flyer did you actually send out? And then you start putting stuff into the funnel. How many of that, how much of that turned into leads? How many turned to estimates? How many turned into completed jobs? And I have one of those funnel graphics for every avenue of marketing in my company. And that's how we try to determine like, what is the cost per lead, the cost per estimate and cost per job. Then when it comes to marketing, when we put the pedal down, we pick the most effective ones and pour more money into those funnels to get those things there. But every one of the forms of marketing, we track them as closely as we can to get those basic numbers. And this is, this is just an example of mine for the flyer distribution. So Eric Fosnacht, how you doing, man? My good friend from the industry, you're saying 3.5 to 5% of total company revenue, right? I see a lot of people get confused here. Yes, I say, when I say 3.5 to 5% of all of your revenue, I mean 3.5 to 5% of all your revenue. Um, that is, if you're a million dollar company, 35,000 to $50,000. That's just how it goes here. So um, weekly KPIs. Now, I track this stuff weekly. You don't want to wait till the end of the quarter, end of the year to start tracking this stuff. Weekly KPIs, we actually track what you're seeing in the red right here is we have our office coordinator track how many leads came in, how many booked estimates from that, how many people didn't respond or didn't uh, end up choosing an estimate. Uh, and that's how we kind of go through uh, that part. That is the top of the funnel right there. When we talk to our sales guys, now we start talking about, okay, of the estimates we've handed you, how many of those What's your SR? What did you sell? What turned into projects and what got produced? So we're tracking this weekly to make sure that we're seeing any weird pattern detection kind of stuff like this. Sales tracking. This is what I'm talking about here. So weekly, my sales guys put in their numbers here, my estimators, and we basically track how many estimates did you do? There's a goal per estimate and uh, uh, there's a number of estimates per week. There's an average job size. There's a success ratio. We try to hit those benchmarks so they can support the company. But again, the thing I want to take uh, for you guys to take away is this is absolutely, this looks fancy, right? It's a color-coded spreadsheet. This is addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. I just color-code it for easy reference. This is, all this is doing is tracking that funnel. How many estimates did we get? How many did we sell? 
What was the average job size? How many projects were produced? That's it. It's just typing simple numbers in here. But with conditional formatting, conditional formatting be the colors of the cells, everything green was good, everything red was not, and then we can start seeing pattern detections here. So. so my marketing plan, this is how I think about it. And again, remember, I feel that my my marketing is about 70 to 80% where it needs to be in sophistication, in process, in simplicity, and um, um, uh, ease of use. Uh, here's basically uh, what I started out the year as. My, my rhythm, and this is probably the, uh, the best piece of advice I can give anybody in a home service, uh, trades, business, job, whatever. If you know your winters are going to be slow, you need to start at a minimum of August and September of marketing in order to make sure you feel your winter. So here's my rhythm of the year. Typically, what I will do is in, in August, I start putting together my marketing plan for the year, all my mixes. I start looking at the data from the last winter. And again, we're starting to look at that cost of lead, cost of estimate, cost of completed job. And we're looking at all of them saying, well, what performed the best last year? Let's put some more money into those, or here's some new things we can try, things like that. August and September for me are for experiments. If I want to try something new, if I want to try a focus direct mailer, where we go to pinpointed houses of certain income or lifestyles or things like that, we'll try that. If we want to try a new form of email marketing, or if we want to try a different form of social media marketing, we'll try that, do some quick experiments. Uh, and then we will, uh, yeah. And then we'll take that data. And if it performs well, we'll add it to our mix, but we're also taking the data from last year and doing the things we know will work, or at least can prove will work. So here, August, September, we do the experiments. By the time we hit late September and October 1, October 1, my main marketing plan goes into effect. <clears throat> we know that we have slow to miserable winters here in Minnesota, right? Especially in the home service industries. This strategy for me has allowed me to never lay a human off in 15 years. I guarantee my people. I look them in the face and say, your compensation plan is based on 40 hours a week. We're going to find you 40 hours a week if you want it. So this strategy has got us 40 hours a week for all our people uh, for 15 years. We take about 60 to 70% of our entire marketing budget and expend it in that six months of winter. Because otherwise, you have this crazy demand curve high in spring and fall. And then in winter, it kind of just goes down like this, right? So what we want to do is even out that demand curve with marketing like that. We want to increase demand in the winter when there normally isn't. And sometimes we will uh, taper marketing off when it gets to May, June, July, August, because there's a natural higher demand in there. And also in Minnesota, which you have to understand is that we can, we have twice as many options of work in the, in the summer because we can throw in exteriors than we do in the winter. In the winter in Minnesota, just on a theoretical basis, we only can do half the normal types of jobs. We're limited in the access of types of projects we can take on. So naturally, we have to get more of those jobs. So that's kind of how we think about this. So two big takeaways. Start doing experiments. Gather that data. Take what you know works. Make that into a mix. And if you need work in winter, you start October 1st hitting the ground running, that marketing is out. Even if you're super busy in October, you need to lay the groundwork for that. The biggest mistake you can made, make is nothing on the schedule. Oh no, I need to start marketing. That will never work. This is interesting. A little bit of data I can share with you guys. So over the last bunch of years, I think we go 2019, 20, 21, 22. This is actually a weekly, uh, weekly, infographic of how leads came into my business. Now, what you have to know about this sort of thing is this is not the natural curve because we do lots of marketing, right? So 
what we do here is uh, this is the lead flow. And you can see how, uh, especially in like 2019, in the second half of the year here, you can see where my marketing experiment started to hit. We started driving some big numbers and it's naturally going to taper off towards the end of the year. 2020, you can see this in fall, we had a monster spike. We had a fall rush in there like that. Here you can see the natural uh, inclination. It's almost a perfect pyramid in 2019 of we uh, slow start to the year of leads coming in. We hit a huge natural spring rush. It tapers off as people go on vacations in the summer. And then uh, we, we marketing, we start marketing and you can see the crazy spikes in it like that. Now, in 2020, you can see that um, we had a little spring rush right here. We had a crazy fall rush right here. And then you can see where my marketing actually affected the curve. So the trend line for 2020 was actually our leads increased as the year went on. 2021, very interesting year, monster spring rush, right? Monster spring rush, monster spring rush. Tapered off in summer, nice little midsummer bump, fall rush again, marketing hits, there we go. And 2022, uh, this is really hard to explain. We got dumped on. We were getting about twice as many leads, about twice as many leads as we normally got in quarter one of last year. It, it was a crazy amount. Um, could have been a couple things. We we advertised, a, we did a, a marketing experiment with drywall, interior drywall repairs, and that uh, that had a great, great effect on this. So that's due to a little bit of that. But you can see that the interesting thing, uh, midsummer, there was a little rush late June, give or take. Uh, it was pretty steady towards the end of summer. My marketing kicked in here in 2022, and actually leads were on the decline, even though my marketing was up like this. Now, what that doesn't prove is that your marketing was not effective. I would argue that my marketing was the only reason we had the leads we did in late 2022. If we didn't do marketing, this probably would have went to almost nothing, give or take. This is just the natural thing. Now, what you have to understand is that this is probably not associated with politics, macroeconomics, recession talk, um, inflation, anything like that, like uh, interest rates, all that. This probably has way more to do with little micro bumps in here. It could be due to what I do as well, too. So I just want to show you guys that four years, four very different things. And this is why you don't just say, well, I'm going to put an ad in a newspaper and every year I'm just going to increase that ad in the newspaper. You need to be dynamic. You need to be willing to change. That's why you need to track this data weekly to try to figure out what's going on. The craziest data point, uh, data plus feelings, is we felt like there was no rush. We were battening down the hatches uh, this last year, getting ready for that crazy spring rush, clearing out our estimator schedules. It never happened. It just never happened. So you never know. You never know. But that's I want you guys to know data plus feelings. If it ever feels like the leads fall off in winter, it's because they do. Absolutely. It's because there's less demand, especially in the northern part of the country. We'll get to some questions here, too. Uh, so this is how this is what I call one of my sniff test uh, spreadsheets, where I start putting in a bunch of numbers and I just try to kind of figure out the marketing mix, what it's going to cost me, where leads are going to come from. It's based on previous info, but it helps me project out for the next year. This a version of this is what I'm going to send you uh, if you email me at the end of this show here. This is my marketing tracker. It's going to give you some basic ideas. You punch in a few knowns and a few unknowns, and it's just going to give you a thought experiment sort of thing. It's not going to tell you to do something at the end of it. It'll give you the information to make an informed decision. 
but you're going to need some good data. Uh, in the technology world, there's a concept called garbage in, garbage out. And if you put in garbage data in there, you're going to get garbage data out. So you're going to need some stuff, right? So my data, my, my tracking efforts, um, what generates leads versus what generates projects? Because again, not all leads are created equal. You can get a whole bunch of leads that turn into jobs that you can't produce profitably in areas you can't work in profitably. Uh, they might even be things out of your core competencies. So what you're seeing here is a graph of, I take all of my 2022, I take all of my job costing, and you can see here, the orange are interior, the blue are exterior, the purple is the lead source right here. And here, the green is whether we uh, hit our internal benchmarks or not. And now you can actually sort completed jobs by where they came from and you can find anomalies. So this sheet in particular was tracking, okay, when we sell a job by flyer, is it more or less profitable than a job sold by social media, give or take? And we find that there's differences in there in the marketing. So now you put on the next layer of data, which is number one, how can you produce leads? Number two, how can you produce estimates? Number three, how can you produce projects? And then the next layer of that is when we produce a project, is it more valuable? Do we, do we get a higher job, average job size? Are they a better fit for a client based on different lead sources? So now we can take all our lead sources and say, on average, a job from Flyer will be 2% more profitable than a job done by newspaper, give or take. And now you can start saying, well, okay, based on that, um, social media will give me more, more leads, but the jobs are less profitable. Um, there is a higher cost per lead in flyers, but the jobs are more profitable. So now all of a sudden I'm looking at one that's going to say, well, flyers is then more, we, even if it's more cost per lead, the profitability of those jobs far outpaces the cost of getting those things. So that's kind of how we think about it. But again, this is built on job costing. This is not, again, fancy colored spreadsheet, right? How could this possibly work? Where do you get this stuff? How do you build it? All it is is job costing, folks. The foundation of everything we do is how much material, how much labor did we use for a project, and did we hit a gross profit number, or did we not hit that? I'm going to get into your questions shortly here, guys. So at the end of this, um, on the Facebook groups now, this is the hottest topic ever. Where do you get jobs? How do I market? Who should I have market for me? All this other stuff. I'm going to give you some macro advice on all this stuff, right? Perspective and advice from somebody who's been doing this a while. I've been able to bootstrap myself into running a $3 million business. And this is the most, um, most profitable and most full calendar year we've had based on my efforts here of doing this. So it's not perfect, right? But it's a great data point for you guys. Number one, do experiments. Track your cost, your source, your outcome, job costing. You can look at my experiments and then you also want a mix of things that do labor and things that do money or things that take money to fix or things that take labor to fix because it's not all just money folks and i would argue when you're in the early stages of business i would probably use your labor way more than your money because you have an excess of labor and probably not an excess of money don't forget about the intangibles too because what we're not talking about here when we talk about marketing we're we're a lot of times people are like paying somebody to get you leads that's only one part of it there is a whole intangible part called relationships, community involvement, your reputation, being easy to find. In my first year of business, the biggest godsends for me were my community connections. When I put my shingle out as a new business owner here, my local veterans clubs, my local uh, polka uh, park ballroom came out of the thing. Realtors came out and they're like, we want to support Nick's business. And I fed my family in the first year because of the goodwill and the reputation I had in my community. So if you've not been in a community long or people don't know you, start getting involved, folks. If your kids are in the schools, get involved with schools, get involved with community groups. I mean, I'm in 
two different veterans organizations. I'm on an economic development authority board. I'm at, uh, I'm on involved with two things at the county level for workforce development and other things. Um, you got to get involved with that community that builds a, a reputation of uh, trust there. And a good perspective is I had between three and five painters working full-time year round. And we did about 500 K before I started uh, to need to really put the pedal down and pay for marketing. So slow winter start in August and September, just to reiterate what I said, start early that, I mean, if you take nothing away from this, even if you don't track anything, the number one thing is to fill your calendar. That is the number one objective of all marketing, fill your calendar. The cost of having a gap in the calendar far outweighs the cost of any bit of marketing you do, that opportunity cost, that lost opportunity cost. So start early. I would just say this year, if you need jobs right now, great. Do whatever you can. Don't not market, do it. But next year in August and September, you better hit the ground running and consistently weekly market. If you, if you need jobs right now, use your effort. Right now, you can go almost to every um, town around here. Some of them you have to pay for a solicitor's permit, a peddler's permit, a door-to-door -door salesman permit. Some you don't, but check with your local community. In my town, I think it's 50 bucks. They give you a badge that's blessed by the city that allows you to walk up to doors and knock on the doors and talk to people. But you don't even need to do that. If that's too aggressive for you, you can print off a bunch of flyers and put them in door handles. You can rubber band them on a doorknob. You can put them in a door jam. You cannot put them in a mailbox. That is illegal, folks. You need to be a post postal worker to do that. Uh, you can uh, you can walk around town. You can print off a thousand flyers for 50 bucks. You get a solicitor's permit and walk that town. If you have nothing to do, you can knock on doors. You can talk to people. You can, you can, um, you can talk to people that you have relationships with. You can go to your past clients. And honestly, you can even call other contractors. There's a bunch of guys like me and other people who naturally have a bunch of excess of work and we can even subcontract out work or, or possibly even just give you some of our excess work like that too. So again, that's relationship stuff. Do not wait to market until you need it. All right. If you think you're going to be slow, do something, use your time, use your money to fix it before you need it. And things change, right? So again, like I said, at the start of the show, two main things that uh, I see that are the two main things we need to solve in business are labor and projects. And depending on the economy and depending on our business and depending on us, they kind of teeter totter back and forth. We might be at equilibrium now. I feel that marketing and finding projects is gonna be more important or harder than it is to find labor in the next couple of years, give or take, depending on where you are. And anecdotal evidence of a change in 2023, right? I, I comb all the Facebook groups. I'm hearing the zeitgeist. I'm seeing the questions flip from, what do you charge for X? Where's all the good people to, I need jobs right now. How are you guys marketing? Uh, cost of lead acquisition is up in my business. When we track even our standard forms of marketing, we, um, we, we find that the cost of lead is going up, right? So it could be consumer confidence. It could be my marketing isn't good. I would always point that finger back to you though, at the start, do not point this on macroeconomics, political stuff, um, interest rates, recession, inflation, all that other stuff. I would say if you point to that, you're likely wrong. It's it's more than likely something you can fix. And sometimes there's diminishing returns on some marketing channels. So sometimes you'll find that your, your uh, Instagram ads are just kind of burnt toast. Like they just don't work anymore. They're getting repetitive, things like that. Sometimes you find that the newspaper ad hasn't got a lead in six months. And then one time, you know, in one month, it'll get eight leads, give or take. So tracking that will know. So you're not just doing a feelings-based decision here. So all right, folks, uh, I will send you uh, my my marketing tracker. Sorry, I forgot to put an image of the marketing tracker in there, but I will send you my marketing tracker. I will have this 
I will have this in uh, the show notes here and let's go through and get to some questions because we're already 43 minutes into this and my uh, my beloved Facebook uh, group here. Let's go through them first. Joe Elmore. How's it going? Brian Struble, my friend. Compliment on my haircut. Thank you. Travis Dalen, my friend from Alaska, who will be coming here next week. Ron, good morning. Clint. George, how you doing? Gustavo, frequent watcher. John Harrell, good morning. Lauren Fink, uh, good morning, paint trade. Good morning, Nick. Thanks for your generosity and wisdom and examples for our whole trade. Uh, see you at the expo, four and a half weeks. I'm headed out for a run. All right, good to see you this morning. Uh, Nick, uh, do you use a CRM? Yeah, Ron, we talked about that uh, when I hit that slide there. I wanted to address that one pretty closely. Um, Steve Lockwood, I actually believe that trades will soon be booming with amazing talent and never look the same as it does. Uh, Steve, if you know something I don't, let me know how that will be and what that will look like. John Milkovich, don't let perfection stand in the way of really good. Great advice. Yep, that's that's one of those those great maxims that I've heard you know years ago, and it stuck with me always. Uh, Phil Klein, good morning, my friend. Uh, Sweet Ginger, Cami, good morning. Eric, my good friend and marketer. John Busick, our biggest struggle is tracking how a returning client hears about us or triggers to engage again. Truck signs, stickers on cans, Google, contractor, who knows, other than asking, how are you gathering? So again, don't let perfection stand in the way of really good, John. I, you know, I, you were a mentor of mine. You, I'm here because of you. So I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but I lump all of that stuff into word of mouth, repeat and referral. And I just leave it at that. Like we can anecdotally ask them how they heard about us. But once you've already done a job with us, it's way less likely that a yard sign is going to trigger you. It's way more likely that from recall, you're going to say, oh yeah, that uh, Bob Kunst, uh, John Busick, he did my job last time. Let's start with him. So for me, I don't go to that second order marketing. If somebody is a past client and they come back, I still label them as past client. And then I actually track how many past clients come back, repeat, things like that. So, all right, uh, Aaron, marketers say spend 20% of revenue. 20% is a lot. If, uh, if, if a very successful big professional paint company uh, has a goal of 15% net profit, spending 20% uh, of your revenue on marketing doesn't leave you a lot for overhead. Most won't pay, won't pay, get it together here, Nick. Most paint businesses run on 30 to 35% overhead. And if um, two thirds of that is marketing, that doesn't leave you a lot for the other things you need to do, uh, like taxes and owner's pay, things like that. So, all right, Oscar, good morning. Mm -hmm. Let's see here. Gates Birchfield. Hey, good morning, Gates. Uh, this sounds more like a college course, <laughs> less like an yeah. yeah, man. So this is uh so this feels advanced to most of the trades, but this is what all businesses do. Gas stations do this, right? Gas stations run on a super small margin. So things like marketing are very important to them. So this is not only what I do as a special big professional contractor. This is what all other business does in the world. And our trade needs to get used to this because this is like, this is the bare minimum. If you want to have a full schedule and you want to have employees, you can't not do this. Like you have to do this stuff to ensure that you're stable and predictable. Uh, Chris Kent, this is hugely exciting stuff to me. Marketing is all brand new for my business. It's brand new for me too. I've only been seriously doing this for three, four years. So every year is something new. That's why I kind of gave you guys a perspective of like, I still have a long way to go on this stuff, but I'm doing the data. I'm doing the basic unsexy things I need to do right now for it to be a success. All right. Uh, have you, uh, Chris, have you heard of success offering free painter for a day services as a marketing tool was considering it for commercial property managers thinking it might be a good introduction point only if you track the actual cost of that. 
Um, uh, people know I've said in the past, I am, I am on a surface level, generally opposed to discounts and giving things away free, uh, mainly because, you know, most people don't track their numbers. So I know it's, I, I'm not, I'm not opposed to doing it. I'm opposed to doing it and not knowing the actual cost of it. So if you think about this in our industry, there's sort of a knee jerk reaction of, Hey, if I get slow, let's offer a 20% off thing, uh, for a job, right? So painters will just throw an ad out there. Uh, let's just call it newspaper or a flyer and say 20% off for all work booked this winter. Now, what you're doing, you may think, well, it's only 20%. If your paint business runs on a 10% true net profit, you gave away all the profit plus another 10% of all your revenue. So you have to understand now, if that is a net benefit to your company to fill a schedule, keep your people there and working, I would say do it. If you need to fill a schedule, first fill a schedule. After that, you have to know the actual cost. If you give a 15% off coupon for a paint job and your business runs on 15% net profit, you as a business owner got no reward for that. You have to understand that, right? You have to understand that. Use it as a tool if you need to do it, but you have to know what the true cost is. We think 15% is not this, this little marginal thing. If your business runs on a 15% true net profit, you gave away all the profit and in effect, you are a nonprofit company. Tony Esposito, uh, offer paint a room for free on a large scale commercial places. I've done this years ago and it paid off. Yeah, there's, and, and again, that's way more of like, for homeowners, that's not necessarily a thing. They're like, yeah, if you're gonna give something away for free, that's fine. When you're talking about big commercial stuff, that's way more um, uh, relationship stuff. And sometimes just getting in the door and building trust like that is good because it leads to a longer thing. With most homeowners, you're not gonna have $10,000 worth of work re uh, repeatedly throughout the years uh, there. All right, Scott McDowell, I reached out to a property manager locally and got a list of 11 to 12 exteriors to bid on, took four calls, four emails, and a few voicemails, but I got it. That's it. It's relationships too. And remember, I'm in the residential repaint thing, but we do do commercial business. There is B2C, business to consumer, and there's B2B, business to business selling. They are two completely different things, right? When we go to a consumer, we talk about the things that they want, uh, help with color, moving furniture, cleaning up, high velocity communication. When we walk into a business, we walk in there and say, we are going to be the problem solvers. This is probably not a passion project for you to paint stripes on the floor of your factory. It's something you need to do to comply with some OSHA law. So I'm not going to sit here and talk about our national awards and our wonderful service. I'm going to say, if you tap us for this project, you need this problem solved. We are going to give you no problems. We are going to be in and out professional. You're not going to have to hold us accountable in that. And that is a big uh, benefit to B to C or B to B, excuse me. Ah, Jesse Allen, rehash leads versus new leads. I find rehash leads turn into estimates at a higher rate than, than leads. Uh, and again, that's uh, that's a great data point, Jesse. I do appreciate that. Uh, da, da, da. <laughs> Let's see, Fountain City, been using G Sheets for all of our tracking. Uh, good to see it supports even a business of your size, no need to pay for something. And you can, I'm not, I'm not telling people not to, but for what we need right now, is we're in the baby stages of marketing, right? I feel like it's a very unformed sort of thing, even though it is successful. So right now, uh, don't let really good or effective stand in the way of, or excuse me, don't let perfect stand in the way of really good, right? So I could take out a year-long project to adopt a CRM and use it and all the friction points, or I could just get after it and we'll, we'll adopt a CRM. CRM isn't the thing that's stopping us from doing this. A CRM is a value add to what we do. 
Uh, Travis, good information and facts uh, over time. Time, time to go finish up my ask. Yep, he's bringing an ask to the retreat next week. Kirill, good morning. Thanks for speaking at our Canadian breakout in Florida. Uh, great hearing from Painter's perspective on what we do at SW. Kirill's from uh, Sherwin-Williams. Had an amazing time talking at your national sales meeting. That was awesome. Uh, Precision Woodworking Solutions. Hope you don't mind a different trade sitting in the back row. Oh, man. So listen, thank you so much for that. I appreciate this. This is not specific to painting businesses. We all know this, right? This is any trades business, any service business, and for that matter, any business. If you own a gas station or a little electronics retailer or an online retailer or some other kind of business to business service thing, this is the basics. This is the fundamentals. This is basically a community college course in marketing and tracking marketing. This is the baseline stuff that you have to do. This isn't new, novel, crazy, innovative. This is just basic bread and butter stuff that we do here. So. All right, Brian. Oh, my good friend Brian Strublin. Residential. We build. We build. Uh, excuse me. We build our price to offer ten percent on every job. We ask for something in return for the ten percent, uh, like schedule. Uh, people want to feel like they have a good deal. Absolutely. And I would. I would do that too. And one of those things that Brian's talking about is ten percent off your project, but it has to be done at this time when we need it the most. There's lots of value in that too. So, all right, let's go over to IG and TikTok and let's see what we got going on here. Lots of people watching this morning. I do appreciate this, everybody. Uh, I will take this time right now to also say, oh, man, here we go. Reimagine home improvements. Good morning. Um, Michael Crane, my good friend, my daughter is watching, too. Um, I'll take this time to say, again, email me. I'll send you my marketing tracker. Also, everybody, uh, just hit share right now. we got a critical mass of people watching. There's tons of people watching on all the things on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook right now. Just hit share. That is literally the kindest thing you can do for me. Um, and I would I would uh, deeply appreciate that. So, all right, let's go through, see if we got any questions in here. And of course, you guys can uh, put your questions in after the show. You can email me, all my good friends at Illusions over in California. Good to see you. Uh, Noah Cantor, my good friend. So love seeing Noah Cantor in there. Best podcast ever, advice from a young tradesman. All right. Uh, Bogio, my friends down in Brazil. Good to see you. All right. <laughs> okay. This is wonderful, folks. That's it. Uh, Jim Dorf, my good friend. Good to see you. Uh, Philip Patterson. Nick, thank you for all you do for the industry, residential painters. I'm 50 years in the trade here, 30 years in my own business. What an exciting time. I couldn't agree more. And Jim Dorf, my good friend and uh, fellow moderator of a cabinet painting group. All right, everybody. I'm going to call her quits for today. I got a dance competition uh, for my daughter. Uh, we got my puppy and my kids running around outside right now. I'm going to sit down and have a little breakfast with the family. But as always, everybody, uh, please, please like, follow, ask a painter, share this show, get it out to other people of like mindedness of us. And let's let's start making a, a moving the needle on this industry of professionalism, folks. Um, email me. I got any any answers to any questions you have, especially about this marketing stuff. And I'll share you my marketing tracker. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching today. Uh, it's been awesome. Mastering the basics will take a short pause next week. I'm going to be at the retreat that I host, uh, and we will go live probably from a luxury fish house or a spear shack up there. Uh, you're going to see lots of people you know and love, and then we'll get right back to mastering the basics. So uh, more to follow, everybody. Thank you so much for watching and have a great weekend. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To 
To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.